Good morning, church. It's good to see you all again. Thank you. Yeah, I have one fan anyway. It's always good. At least I'll not get shot on the way out. It's always a blessing. Um, I do bring you greetings from Grace Reformed Baptist Church, not Emmanuel. It's been a bit of a roller coaster year for us all. Um, we have moved church to a more local area, so if you want to know why, ask me after. But it is good to be here. Um, wow. Last time I stood here was almost a year ago. I preached three times in one morning. I've never been exhausted in all my life, but, you know, it's all good. So you guys are definitely growing, I can say that. It's good to be with you again. Um, it's always a blessing to stand here and open up God's Word and to fellowship with you and to sing with you and now to open up His Word and to... I hope encourage your hearts in what is a very difficult season of life that we all live in, but it's not a season without hope. We come here this morning through the blood of Christ, and He is the one who we can have hope in. So if you've come here this morning in and off yourself, sorry, it's not of you, it's all of Him. We have read Mark chapter 5, thank you for reading that. I am going to read it again in my dulcet tones, my Irish language, because there's some parts I do want to... Uh, Herald a little bit harder than was read, but thank you, brother, for leading. Um, Mark 5 is a very interesting chapter in Scripture. It's a chapter that if you are ever discouraged, stop, open, and read. Because in those people that are found there, I'm sure all of you will find yourself. I hope none of you are demonic. Some of you have illnesses, and some of you are young people. All of us like to think we're young, so that includes everybody in this whole room, but death comes to us all. Mark 5, verse 26 says this, or verse 25, sorry. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately... The flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed from her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Amen. This is God's holy word. 
As I've said, Mark chapter 5 is brimming with impossible cases. Let's see where I can set this. It's been called the chapter, the home for the incurables. I am on a tight time leash as well, sorry. I know the young children are, this is their first Sunday back in the back room, so I don't plan to be here for an hour and a half, so we'll keep it brief. There are three cases given in Mark chapter 5. There is the demonic man. There is this diseased woman. And then there was the dead girl. I should have done a pop quiz and asked, what did I preach on the last time I was here? It was Jarius' daughter who fell ill, who died. Then Christ brought her back to life. All these three cases were considered impossible in our Lord's day. And guess what? That would still be the case in our day too. For instance, the demonic would be assigned to a mental institute. This poor woman that we've read off would be assigned to a terminal care unit. And the girl, of course, would be carried somewhere ready for burial in a cemetery. But as you move through the events of this fifth chapter, and please read it, it's one of the most encouraging chapters in all of Scripture. You realize very quickly that Christ is more than adequate for any situation. There are no incurables with him. You see, in every circumstance that is mentioned, we see that Christ is more than adequate. Take the man who was demonized. Jesus became that great psychiatrist, as it were. To the woman who was diseased, he became that great physician. And to the girl who was dead, he became that great pediatrician for the young. Last time we stood here, I stood here, we saw a father distraught in grief. His daughter, his prized possession that we looked at was lying dead. And he got that terrible news that indeed she had died. But this morning I want to consider this woman. It's a portion of scripture. It's like a kind of parenthesis. It's like those, those blocks that you put when you write a sentence. My English sucks, okay? I can't even speak English for some of you this morning. You're in a daze going, what did he say? Okay. This portion is like we have Jarius' daughter and then we have the woman and then we have Jarius' daughter. Well, last time we looked at the outer two. Today, we look at this woman. Jesus is on his way to heal her or heal the little girl. But he's, he's stopped. He's stopped by this woman who needed him more than anything in this world. You see, in a sense, every miracle of Jesus has got those little those little as I call them, curvies. That's what I call them to my kids. It works. Okay? You got a front curvy and a back curvy. Put them wherever you want. Okay? <laughs> but those curves, as it were, they are, are, are boundering the greatest work. And what was that? Going to the cross. Christ's eyes was always fixed upon that cross. And yes, he healed here. And he healed there, and he healed the next person. But his eyes were fixed 
upon the work that he was here to do. But as Jesus was journeying that day, there was a great crowd. We've, we read it multiple times. There was a huge crowd. The people were passing around him. But in amongst them, there was this weak, timid, dying woman who reached out in faith and trembling and touched the hem of Christ's garment. And she was made well, both physically and spiritually. And as I look out amongst you this morning, we're a large group. There was a great throng. People were passing all around. This morning, some of you need to touch Christ again. Some of you have come in through that door with your chin on your chest because of trials, because of tribulation. Some with sickness. This morning we come to learn of the one who can help. The only one. And that is Christ. And so if you're taking notes this morning... Some people are, it's good to see. Don't be drawing, okay? I don't want a big head of the preacher, okay? <laughs> Tiny body would be nice, but that's okay. This morning, our overarching theme is a touching moment with our Savior. And we're going to do it under three headings. I didn't realize until I actually had read over this last night that I have alliterated every single one. So if you have your pen, you can write T H S E. And then you'll be able to fill out the three headings. I was pretty proud of that, actually. That's a terrible thing because it comes before a fall. So hopefully it's all good. But first of all, we're going to look at the horror she endured. So the horror she endured. Then secondly, we're going to look at the hope she embraced. And then thirdly, we're going to look at the healing she experienced. So the horror she endured the hope she embraced, and the healing she experienced. What of this woman, first of all? What about this horror that she endured? We're told there in verse 25, her symptoms. We're told that she suffered from an issue of blood. This literally means that she was hemorrhaging or she was bleeding from some part of her body. And the word issue means flowing of blood. Whatever, whatever was causing this, wherever it was coming from, this woman was a very, very sick woman. But if that's her symptom, an issue of blood, what of her sufferings? You see, a constant flow of blood like this perhaps doesn't register in our mind what would have caused this woman untold sufferings. She had suffered physically. This woman was weak. She was frail. She would have been pale. She would have had no energy. Doing the least thing would have worn her out. She's a weak, pathetic creature. The word plague is the same word that's translated whip. 
So when you read of this woman, think of it this way. Her disease that she has was like a scourge. It was constantly beating her down day after day after day for 12 long years. We're also told that this woman had tried all the remedies that the physicians had in those days. Um, don't think of it like the doctors that we have. Okay? These things were like hop in one leg and pull your ear and silly things. Things that make no sense, but yet she was trying everything that she could to get well. She was also suffering socially. This woman couldn't be married. She couldn't have physical contact with anyone. She couldn't work around others because of defilement of others. And this reduced this woman to a life of begging. And begging from a distance. She just couldn't sit at the side of the road and ask for money or food. She had to be way in the back. These things left her on the very fringes of society. No doubt this woman also suffered emotionally. The Bible says that she'd been suffering for 12 years. My daughter is turning 12 in September. Yep, how to do the math. It's like, wait, hang on, they grow up too fast. She's 12, and if I think back to the day she was born till now, it might think really fast, but that's a long time. If you actually consider the average lifespan in those days, it's, it's assumed that this lady was like this just after puberty. She'd lived her life moving from one rejection to another. She's lonely. She's isolated. She's desperate. She'd also suffered religiously. Remember, if you, if you read in Leviticus, which please do, hard book to read, but man, it's so good. This woman was considered unclean all the time. Everything that she touched was unclean. You walk in here this morning and you can shake hands or fist pump or elbow, what I don't know what you do, but you can do that. This lady could have nothing she couldn't mingle with people. She couldn't mingle because of what she had, but also because it would defile them. This lady, boys and girls, couldn't even go to church. It's the woman's court of the temple, but in our day it would be like not being able to come to church. I know what it was like at the very start when this pandemic hit and we couldn't get to church. How dry and how cold and how barren we felt. She's been like this for 12 years. She'd also suffered financially. The Bible tells us that she spent all that she had. She didn't keep back a little bit in her bank account. She spent everything. She wanted to be better. She wanted to be healed. But now she's left penniless and destitute. After all these years, all the doctors, 
all the time that she'd hoped that remedies would work. She's come to the place where she knows that she's living under a death sentence. She won't get any better. She's going to die from this disease. What she has will kill her. Her life is literally draining out of her body little by little, day after day. And if you take all those things and you stop and you put yourself in her place, perhaps she was about to give up. I wonder how many of you this morning can identify with that woman. Maybe you don't have her illness. But like her, you're filled with suffering and sorrow. She paints a picture of two different types of people sitting right in front of me this morning. She paints the picture of everyone who doesn't know Christ. You see, the lost are also defiled by a disease, a disease that they got from Adam. And that disease is sin. It's a condition made no better despite all the efforts of the sinner. Many people spend their youth and even their entire life seeking out pleasures, seeking out help. But instead of getting better, they only get worse. Their hearts get harder. And they get more deeply rooted in their sins and all their efforts of self-improvement. Looking after myself won't help them. Remember Romans 6.23 when it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is your hope this morning. If you stay in your sin, eternal death is yours. But the only way out of it is through Christ. But not only does she paint the picture of the unbeliever, she also paints the picture of the believer. I guarantee you not everyone in this room came in with a skip in their step. Why? Because I didn't. Many of God's children today are discouraged. And many may feel defeated. There's a problem. Because you've tried everything in your power and your ability to try to make things better. At this point, I'm going to get my little booklet. I still have it. I don't. We're about to sing a hymn in a few moments. What a friend we have in Jesus. All. Okay? Not just one, not just two, not just three, but all our sins and griefs to bear. Thank you.
At times, we as believers try to do things in and of ourselves. We try to be what we think we should be, and then we feel. This morning, brothers and sisters, we should be men and women of prayer, bringing all our needs, all our petitions, all that we are struggling with to him. Not your next door neighbor, not your Facebook friend, not your Instagram partner, not even tweeting it. Christ. Sadly, some of us, our lives are just as messed up, for being honest. Perhaps we're here this morning discouraged. We feel downtrodden. I ask you to pause and to wait because there's hope coming from the text. So if that's the horror that she endured in the first place, then secondly this morning, let's look at the hope that she embraced. You see, somewhere from some source, this woman, this lady who we've seen is in the lowest of the lows, has heard about Christ. Maybe she'd heard before how he had healed that leper in Mark 1. Maybe she'd heard the reports coming that Jesus had healed this absolute nutcase across the lake previously. Perhaps in the circles that she was in before, she'd heard from a friend. We don't know. But regardless of where she'd heard about him, she knew that she had to get to him. She'd realized that Christ was her only hope. And she believed with all of her heart that he was the answer she needed. Remember, she has tried everything. Every doctor, every potion, every trick in the book, as we would say. And now she's come to the final realization that her only hope is in Christ. She believed that in all of her heart that if she just get to him, she'd be healed. Man, this woman had to be so determined. She had to have great courage to approach Christ in that crowd. Remember, she's frail. She's weak. She doesn't have any energy. But what does she do? She elbows her way through. She's not thinking about all the defilement of everyone that she touched. She was taking a huge risk that day. Think about that. Think about that the next time you'd rather sit at home than come to church. This lady took a risk of everything to see Christ. We need to be the same. This woman would have been ridiculed. Think of the retribution that might have come upon her if she was recognized. They would have taken her and probably stoned her. Because now they're all unclean. But she knew that she had to get to the Savior. It took all her strength. And all her might. And everything that she had that morning as it were to get out of her bed. And to struggle and clamor and get to the Savior. 
This lady was so desperate. Have you reached that place in your life? Have you come to the understanding that Jesus is the only hope that you have? It's not your college football team. It's not the real football team, soccer. (laughs) It's not in your rugby team, which is my sport. It's not in your friends. It's not in your relatives, children. It's not in your parents. If you're in this building this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you need to get to him today. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's nothing else apart from him. This morning, you need to come and you need to touch him by faith. You need to humble yourself before him and say, I am nothing and you are everything. Those of us who are saved but are like this woman and we're burdened and we're defeated. This morning we too need to touch him as well. Let these verses of Scripture wash over you this morning and encourage your heart. These are not my words. My words are useless. These are the words of Scripture. The Bible that you have in your lap, that infallible word from God says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then in the book of Hebrews we read, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. This morning, brothers and sisters, are you in a time of need? If you are, come to him. 1 Peter 5, 7. We always throw that verse out, but stop and think about it. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Christ went to the cross to save you from your sins. He died for you. Is there anybody else in this whole room would die for you? I know for husbands and wives, we probably would say we would do it for each other. But Christ died for you because of why he cares for you. He loves you. So he's telling you this morning, cast all your anxieties on me. Cast all your burdens on me. Because why? Because I care for you. Brothers and sisters, why would you carry that burden one more step? Why? Why would you fight your battle even for one more minute? You don't have to. Come to Christ. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. 
I always read that verse of that hymn and it makes me sober up very, very quickly. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. At times we run around like headless chickens. At times we wonder, what's the next minute going to bring? We can have peace this morning through Christ. And then thirdly this morning, so we've seen the horror, the hope. Now we're going to see the healing that she experienced. The healing that she experienced from verses 29 to 34. Surely this healing was powerful. When she was near enough to Christ, when she was close enough, so let's paint the picture. She's in a large crowd. She's got no energy. She's basically fighting for her life at this point. She takes her hand. Who knows, maybe she needed the second hand to hold the other hand up. But she reached out and she touched him. Was she the only one to touch Christ that day? No. The word touch that we read off there means to cling to or adhere to. In other words, she held on to him until she got what she came for. We read there in scripture that immediately, okay, not in a week, not after you've taken your antibiotics for seven days, you'll be made better. Not after you take your cold and flu remedies and then wake up the next morning and you feel a lot better. No, immediately, in an instant, she received what none of the other doctors could do, healing. She knew right then that she was a different woman. She was made well with a touch. But you see, it was personal. As soon as this woman touches Christ, Christ knows exactly what, what has happened. And just for the record, he knew about it beforehand as well. But he knows that virtue or power has gone out of him. We get our, our modern words, dynamite or dynamic from him, from it. Jesus knows that, that power or, or, or something has gone from him. And he asks the question, who touched my clothes? Did Christ not know what was going on? If he didn't at that point, shut your Bibles, walk out that door and go home. He knew exactly what was going on. Because you see, many had touched him that day. Many had brushed up alongside him, but only one touched him with faith. And Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And that woman fell before him in fear. 
You see, she came up behind him to touch him and instead of coming to him openly. Why? Because perhaps she was afraid of rejection. But she needn't have feared. Jesus wasn't interested in humiliating her. He wasn't interested in driving her away from his presence. He wasn't interested in preaching a sermon of uncleanness from Leviticus. He was interested in helping her with her problem. You see, Jesus got that response that he wanted from her. She bowed before him. She confessed everything. There was that public acknowledgement of what, what had happened to her. She was different, and by Joe, she wasn't afraid to tell others. Christ was her everything. You see, Jesus was indeed on his way to heal that young daughter of Jarius. And as Jesus makes his way to that house, he is surrounded, as we've said, by that huge crowd. But in the seriousness of going from this curve to this curve, Jesus stopped for that woman. And it's as if that crowd wasn't even there. It was Christ and the woman. You see, to him, the need that she had was more important at that point than anything else. This woman was a cast out. She was uncared for. She was unwanted. Nobody gave her the time of day. And yet Christ and his kindness and his love stopped. And through her faith, he made her well. Is that not you or me this morning if we're found in him? We too were cast out. We too didn't care about anybody else but ourselves. We too were unwanted and now we have a father who loves us. Isn't that a blessing that every saint should want? You see, who controls everything? Who controls it? It's a question. Thank you. Good man, I'll give you a sweetie on the way out. Thank you. God controls every atom, every molecule in this universe. And yet he has time for you and for me if we were to call upon his name. I want you to stop and to think for a moment for yourself. Okay, this is the one time a preacher will tell you to be selfish. Don't think of the person in front of you, the person beside you, or anybody else. Think of yourself for one moment. If you were to have judgment day honesty, would you say this morning that you fear that he doesn't care about you? 
Do you fear that he won't receive you? Do you fear that perhaps he's got no time for you? God became a man in the first place so that that vision that he had, he would go to Calvary to die for you. But he also became a man so that he could be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We read it before in Hebrews that he could sympathize with us. Christ became a man so that he could identify with us. He became a man so that we could reach out our hands in faith and touch him. Brothers and sisters, this morning, do not fear. Do not be anxious. There's nothing in and of yourself that you can do, but he can do everything. You see, his words confirmed what he said later when he said, he calls her daughter. This signified that in fact now they were in a different relationship. You see, that woman that day got more than physical healing. All of her adult life, she's been an outcast. She's been a nobody. She's dwelt in isolation and loneliness. But now she's been taken close by God. Her faith brought her into a soul-savoring relationship with Christ. That word whole is the same word translated saved. And you think about it throughout the New Testament. It needs to be rescued from all harm and danger. To be kept safe and sound. This morning if you're in Christ. You too are rescued from all harm and danger. You too are safe and sound in Christ. He tells her to go in peace. Any other man in that crowd, if he had a touch, if she had a touched him, would have been so angry, so distraught, but not Christ. He wasn't afraid of the ceremonial defilement. It couldn't touch him. All he knew that a woman with faith, as it were, like a mustard seed, reached out and he healed her. final words of Christ there said your faith has made you well driving home the whole fact that she was now his you see just like this woman just like this woman all those who come to Christ get far more than they ever bargained for far more Some come because they are afraid of hell. And remember those parables that Christ gave about the different types of soil and they pop up and they wither. Some come because they want some sort of 
not to be irreverent, but some sort of fire insurance policy. They think, well, if I say I'm a Christian, well, I'm not going to go to hell, but they live a life that doesn't live up to that. But those who have true saving faith get far more than they ever thought they would. Think of these verses. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. You're a child of God. You have a father who never wavers, never changes. His promises are true. His word is faithful. His love is never ending. And yet at times we starve ourselves from coming to him. We forfeit that, those blessings that we don't even realize at times we have. We're so caught up in this world. We need to look above of what's coming. Think of the home that you're going to, not after here, but your eternal home. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Listen to this. And if I go, has Christ went? Yes, I've got a few nodding heads. Not everyone's asleep, good. And if I go, he's gone and prepare a place for you. Christ is preparing a place for you. I will come again. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. That is your hope. If you take nothing else out of this sermon this morning, take that. That is your hope and your everything. As the Irish would say, stuff the world. It's all going to burn. That house that you polish and clean, poof, it's in dust. That car that you drive, oh, I hate mechanics. <laughs> Even this body that we have is decaying. I'm not as young looking as I was a year ago, so forgive me. My moisturizing cream isn't working. But hey, we're all getting old. As Christ's eyes were fixed on, or on Calvary, our eyes are fixed on death. You might go this way, and you might go that way. But someday, some stonemason will get out his little chisel, and he'll get out his little hammer, and he'll do a little dash. That's your life. When you think on it that way, it kind of sucks. That's it. We have an eternal home. 
We have an eternal inheritance. If that doesn't drive you to your knees this morning, nothing will. In praise and adoration of our great God. Doesn't matter if you've come in here this morning with burdens and trials and tribulations. Think of where you're going. Fight the good fight. Be encouraged. Romans 8, 17. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, proved we suffered with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Two weeks ago, the queen's husband died. A week ago, not a word of him. I can say that's because I'm British. One of the most famous men in all of the world. And you know what? There's not a mention of him. He was an heir. Actually, his son is an heir. We are heirs of something that doesn't perish. Something that will not be taken away. Something where, where moth and rust doesn't get at. Why? Because it's all of Christ. There are so many verses and my time's almost gone. Brothers and sisters this morning, take your Bibles. Take your words that the Lord has given you and read them. The believer has every confirmation from the word of God. Okay, this thing. Open it up and read it. Find Christ in those pages and then that's what? Get on your knees and be thankful that you are a son of God. Friend, do you need to touch him again today? Have you come to understand that whether you are lost in your sin or whether you're battling difficulties that perhaps no one in this room even knows about, Christ is your only answer. It's not an answer for the unsaved and an answer for the saved. It's an answer together, Christ and him crucified. If you've reached that place where all other remedies have failed, all other means have exhausted themselves and you need help, I plead with you this morning, come to Christ. In that crowd, in that day, there were dozens of people, hundreds of people, with physical, spiritual, and emotional needs, but only one lady got any help. Dozens touched Christ, but only one was transformed. Why? Because only one saw him as her only source. She believed in her heart that he could help her. And she did no matter what it took to get there. Don't be one of those people this morning who have brushed up alongside Christ. Because you have. And you leave through those doors. And you're unchanged. If you're struggling. Look to Christ. He and he alone has the power to change your situation.
saving faith. He died on that cross for your sins. Struggles and trials. He died on that cross for your sins. Come to him. Come to the only one who can help you. And that's Christ. Let's pray. Our loving, eternal, heavenly Father, we fall on our faces before you this morning in awe and in adoration of who you are. We come before the one, the only one who can help us. Dear Lord, you know every head that is bowed here. You know every individual circumstance. You know every heart. This morning, will you not come? Heal the brokenhearted. Uplift those who are struggling in their faith. Encourage them in these days to persevere on to the very end. Help them to see the blessings that you have given them. And dear Lord, we pray for those who know you not. We ask this morning in your kindness, draw them onto yourself. Take those scales from their eyes. Take that deafness from their ears. Help them to see and to hear Christ and give them a new heart. Give them a heart that desires to hunger and to thirst after you, to live a life that is pleasing unto you. Dear Lord, we do pray that this word would go forth in your power and in your authority. And we ask it in and through your son's precious name. Amen.